Here at HO, man, it's a packed house today, and I love seeing so many faces, so many new people. Um, what a day. What a day it is. Uh, well, my name is Alfonso Mack, and I'm just one of the guys here um, on staff, and, and I am thankful that you all are here. If you're new and you're joining us for, for the first time, um, thank you for, for coming on this journey with us and kind of just learning what it looks like to, to follow Jesus and more about the, the Christian faith. I, I'm very excited to share God's word with you uh, this morning. And if anybody has been here over the last few weeks, we've been in this long series in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're continuing in that today. And so what we're going to do is just jump right in, because uh, we got a little bit uh, to, to, to catch up on and talk about. And so we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. And if you have your Bibles, please turn there with me and stand for the reading of God's word. Please stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23. This is what Apostle Paul says in verse 19. says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win more, more, win those under the law. To those under the law, outside the law, I became one as outside the law not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. This is reading of God's word. You may be seated. So where we find ourselves at this morning is just a chapter uh, ahead of where we were last week, and, and, and we were in chapter 8 last week, and uh, Brian did a great job um, of walking us through chapter 8 and, and kind of helping us see from the text that, that our freedom in, in Christ should lead us to bless others and glorify God. Now, where we are in this chapter, in chapter 9, is Paul, he continues on this same thing in a similar fashion, but more geared towards us sharing our faith in the gospel with other people. And so if we go look at verses 1 to 18, pretty much right before we get to, to the section we're in today, Paul, he's talking about his right to kind of receive pay as a minister of the gospel at the, with this church in Corinth. But he says in verse 14, pretty much, I chose not to do this because of you guys. Pretty much what he's doing is he's laying down um, some of his rights to benefit others. He's like, I don't want to put up barriers for the gospel for all of you. In verse 12, he actually says, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. But we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel. He's like, listen, I don't want to put anything in the way of the gospel going out or being a barrier to anybody. And then he continues here in verse 19, where we are today, pretty much kind of letting people know that, hey, there is this way of life where we ought to choose, because of our freedom in Christ, to lay down whatever it means so that we can benefit others for the sake of them knowing Jesus. And so this morning, what we'll be doing is kind of just walk, taking some time to walk through this text to kind of gain an understanding what it truly means to become all things to all people. And so our main point, which is my one and only big point this morning, is our relationship with Jesus gives us the freedom to become all things to all people in order to share the gospel. Our relationship with Jesus gives us the freedom to become all things to all people in order to share the gospel. So in verse 19, he opens up, he says, for though I am free from all. Some versions may, may say free from all men, but the question becomes, well, what does he mean by being free? He's, he's looking uh, to, to Galatians 5.1, where, where it pretty much says, for freedom Christ has set us free. So in the general sense, he's talking about this freedom from the power of sin and death, 
But really what he's talking about here is this freedom that we have by God to be released to serve God, to love God, and to love his people the way that God himself has originally intended for us to do so. And so what he's saying is, listen, God is the one who is in the driver's seat of what it means to actually be free. He knows what it's like to have freedom, not us. So God's the one driving this. One theologian actually describes freedom this way. He says, freedom is not freedom to do what you want. Freedom is freedom from all the things that keep you from being who God wants. He says, this is what real freedom is. And so what Paul is saying is because he is in Christ, he is free from everyone, meaning no one else controls him, no one else leads him. The judgments of other people on this outside do not matter. It's all about who he is in Christ. And this newfound freedom that he has in Christ gives him the freedom to look to go out and serve other people. This means that Paul isn't using his freedom to kind of live just as he wants by himself on like this isolated island to be away from people. He is using his freedom to actually serve others and walk with other people. That's why he says, I have made myself a servant. Think about that. He says, I made myself a servant to all. He's echoing this by looking back back at Galatians again in, in, in verse 13, where he says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another. So he's diving deep into what it means to, to, to have freedom, and he's saying freedom is servanthood. That's what freedom is. It's to serve other people. Now, when he's talking about servant here, this word can be translated as slave. So some of you, if you have your Bibles, it may say slave. But, but really, this, this uh, a doulos is the word in the Greek. And this word that he uses for servant here or slave is this one of intentionality meaning he is giving himself up freely to kind of be in slavery, meaning I am voluntarily laying down my life to serve other people because of my relationship with Jesus. Now, I know that this can be pretty scary language for some of us in this room because what has to happen is that we have to start looking more at other people than we do ourselves. And this is itself is literally a work of God. But here he also talks about how it was something that he had to go and do. So there is some intentionality. But what, what he's really looking at here is us being more like Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, he says to, to tell, he tells the church in Philippi to adopt the mind of Christ. And, but then he also tells them to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but consider others more important than yourselves. And so he's saying, go look at the life of Jesus. The son of God, who when we look at him as being God, he is someone that he should be served. But Jesus said, listen, I did not come to be served, but to serve and lay my life down as a ransom for many. So Jesus came to lay down his life. And the question has to become, are we better than Jesus that we cannot serve others? Are we better than Jesus that we cannot serve those around us? The invitation to be a Christian is to die to oneself. It's to lay down our, our self-centeredness for the sake of other people and for God's glory and God's glory alone. And God's glory here is the reason why Paul goes on to say that I might win, that I might win more of them. His serving of others has this purpose and is to win more so much that he says that five different times in this text that I might win others. So, so this word win is this word that can mean gain or profit um, or to make money or to just have an advantage. And this is typically seen in the sense of business. It's as if someone is really just making an investment in order to gain something from that investment as they put something in. And it's interesting, he says in this context, in this context that he might win, right? That he might win. 
Meaning, just because we make an investment doesn't mean we're actually going to get something from our return. But what it says is, I am willing to do something. It is, I am willing to risk what I have, to sacrifice what I have, that the end result could be a profitable gain. And so in this verse, Paul is saying, I am willing to sacrifice my freedoms and become a slave to all people. And all people means all people. Socioeconomic status, geographical status, racial lines. I'm willing to do anything to reach anybody for Christ. It doesn't matter who it is. That I might see this person go from spiritual death to spiritual life, which is a win. This is what Paul is talking about. And so what we must do is the arduous work and the tough thing of asking ourselves the question, are we willing to be people who lay down some aspects of our lives so that we can understand others, so that we may reach them for the gospel? Are we willing to do this as followers of Jesus? Now, what Paul does next is he walks through this in verses 20 to 22 to kind of help us get an understanding of how we ought to go about it. And so in verse 20, he says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. So here he, he goes through the, these three different groups of people, talks about Jews, and he's talking about someone who's under the law, someone who's outside the law, and he's talking about the weak. And what he's doing here for the church in, in Corinth is he's giving them this new vision of what it means of how we ought to relate our lives to other people so that we can share the gospel with them. And so looking more at this specifically, when, when Paul says to the Jews, I became a Jew, he's saying, listen, I've been recognizing the Jewish festivals I've been walking in the synagogues. I've been keeping the liturgies. I've been keeping the prayers and all these other things. Even as I am a follower of Jesus, I don't have to keep them in order to be saved, which would have been something that the Jews would have believed. But he's saying, listen, yes, I'm ethnically Jew, but my identity is in Christ. But I will use my background and my cultural heritage, whatever it may be, in order to reach these people. He's like, I want a door to be open for them to see the Messiah for who he truly is. And we, we know even a piece of this because Paul, there's a practical example where Paul does this in Acts 16, where, where uh, there's this talk of Timothy uh, getting circumcised. And so Paul is pushing for, for Timothy, which is someone that he raised up to, to be a leader in the church, to go and be circumcised. And Paul says, listen, Timothy, even though you, you have a, a Greek father and your mother is a Jew, you technically your dad doesn't want you to get circumcised. But listen, if you go and get circumcised, this can actually be very beneficial for the gospel. And so guess what? Timothy goes and he gets circumcised in order to go and reach more Jews. Now, listen, Paul even makes this clear in other books like Romans. He even says it in parts of Corinthians and other places that circumcision isn't intended or needed for salvation. But it can be used to reach people. So that's what he's saying to those who are Jews. Now, next, he refers to those who are under the law. And this is in line with similar with, with the Jews, but more specifically looking at the law of Moses and, and, and other ordinances. So this would just pretty much mean that Paul was saying, listen, I'm willing to keep the Sabbath laws or even some of the dietary and food laws in order to, to have a way to reach those who were under the law, who would, who would look at the law as a way to be saved. Now, if we go and take a look at the Jews 
and those under the law, and we, we kind of equate it to today's term, what he's saying is, listen, I am willing to do whatever it is to reach the religious people who actually are not saved. These are the people who do a bunch of church stuff, but don't really understand that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. These people do not understand it. We are saved by what Jesus has done for us, not by what we do for God. And some of us may not even believe that part of it. Where we might think that we do some good deeds here and there. We come in with a little bit of our moralism. We say, man, I'm a good person. I do some really, really cool things. I don't, I don't fall short that much. I've been going to church my, my entire life. But listen, the scriptures tells us in Galatians 2.16 and Romans 3.20-22 that we are not saved by the works of the law. Meaning we're not saved by just doing good deeds. That's why Paul, if you go look at it, he says that he was not himself under the law. Meaning I'm not looking at the law as a way for me to be righteous or to be saved. Or we are saved by only Jesus and his righteousness. And his righteousness is what literally makes us worthy of a relationship to God. Because listen, our good deeds are seen as like filthy rags before a holy God. Meaning they don't even measure up to allowing us to be in God's presence. But yet... We have to understand that only Jesus' blood and his sacrifice for us is what makes us worthy of relationship with God the Father. So we have to know that what Paul is trying to do here, he's trying to communicate that he is wanting to bring the gospel to those who think they are saved but are not. And these are the people that he's referring to. Now next he says to those who are not under the law. This is the Gentile people. This is just the non-Jews, and, and essentially these are the people who have no concept of the Old Testament laws at all, have no understanding of it. They might have heard about God, but don't really know much about who Yahweh is. And today, this, these are the people who are not saved, and they know it. There's some people who's like, yep, I know I'm not following Jesus, and that's just where I'm at. These people don't have a really an understanding of the gospel of God's grace. They don't understand God's word at all. These are the people in the world that, that some would look at and say they're the worst of the worst. Those are the alcoholics and people who are, who are maybe sleeping around, the greedy, the people who are stealing, all these types of things. And they know that they do not know God at all. He says, I became like them to reach them. Now, listen, when he says that, y'all know what he, he does not mean, right? He, do, he doesn't say, listen, like to a drunk, I became drunk that I might win the drunks, right? This is, this is not what he's saying. What, what he's saying is, listen, I do not want to nullify the cross of Christ by saying there is no power. So I'm not going to tell you that I'm just going to go and reach people by saying I'm just going to go and sin. He's like, no, what I want to do is actually still walk in righteousness, so, but still reach these people who are far off. And so what he's helping us do is understand, I, he's like, I'm trying to signify to you that to reach these people, we got to approach them from this heart posture of, listen, I'm no better than you. I realize that outside of God's grace to me, I would just be like you. I'm broken. I'm driven by some of the same pursuits that you might have in your own life. And so we share in common this, this thing of this need for God and this hunger for God. where I, I'm, I'm more aware of it than, than you might be. But listen, if I'm left to my own devices, I could be just like you. This is, this is what he's trying to say about these types of people. Is like, I have to relate to you on a heart level because I need Jesus just as much as you do. And so, so for the church today, we have to understand that we ought to be a people that love people in this way. That this place should be a place where anyone, no matter how far off they are, should be able to walk in here. 
even if someone was drunk last night and they walked in with Jack Daniels on their breath this morning, this should be a place where we should be able to love people like Christ because we have a deep need for Jesus just like the worst of the worst. And what we must do in all of this is we must have a balance in how we go about this and approach it. This has to be that we must be able to adjust and adapt to people in certain situations. But what we have to do is keep the truth of God and his word at the forefront of our minds, not compromising our faith to reach people. This means that we have to walk in wisdom. We have to walk in love. We have to have this deep desire. I want to understand a person. I want to know a person. I want to walk with you in life, see where you are, see and understand what you believe. Paul does this so good in, uh, in Acts 17 um, with, with the people in, in Athens. Now, and they're worshiping this unknown, unknown God, and they have this idol and this statue. And Paul, he, he approaches them. And what he says, he says, I see that you are religious people. Now, these people are like Greeks, they're Gentiles, so they have no idea of Yahweh. But they're religious people. And what he's pretty much saying, listen, I can relate to you. And then he uses this as an opportunity to go and share the gospel of Jesus, the real true God who they actually are trying to look for in, in, in this small way. This is what it's like. So we have to use wisdom. Now, moving on to the last group of people he refers to, he says to the weak, he became weak. So last week, uh, Brian was in, in chapter 8, and in chapter 8, there's this picture where he's talking about the brothers and sisters and, and people who are eating food, sacrificed to idols. And he's like, listen, he knows that it could cause someone who is weak to, to stumble. And so he's like, listen, I, I am willing to de- lay down my right to indulge in certain things so I am not a stumbling block to the, for the gospel for these people. Because there's some people where it can be a stumbling block for you to engage in certain things of your life. Now, as we talk about all these different groups of people and how Paul said, I became like them in order to reach them, I, I sit here and I wrestle in my own heart and I ask this question, or what are some things that actually become barriers to my own life or even some of us wanting to go out and reach people? And so I, I have a few things here that I want to share. The first that I think that I, that I think is a barrier for us is our own schedules. Sometimes I think that our schedules kind of get in the way, and what it does, it kind of blinds our, our ability to, to see uh, the mission of God to go out and share the gospel. That means as a family, maybe there's tons of sporting events and lots of things going on that we realize we haven't even actually maybe invited someone over for dinner, maybe, or maybe I haven't taken the time to meet with someone. I'm spending more time maybe cutting my grass as a student. So I spend more time studying than I have been maybe just sitting down with someone just to get to know them. Uh, I don't know what it could be, but sometimes our schedules get in the way. The next thing that it could be is just personal biases. So, so sometimes I know that, that we, we gravitate towards certain people or certain people groups. And, and in these biases, what ends up happening is we, we can have a heart that wants to kind of vilify certain groups of people. We become a little bit more judgmental towards certain groups of people. And this could be any, any type of group of people or affinity. For some people, it's like people who identify in a certain political party. We, we might vilify them and say, no, nah, there's no way I'd ever want to talk to this type of person. Or maybe it's someone in, in, a, in a certain wealth gap. Uh, who's like, man, they're super wealthy. I have this weird feeling about them. I can't trust them. Or maybe it's business owners. Maybe it's athletes. The list can go on and on about certain people groups that we can have personal biases towards that can hinder us from wanting to reach them. Maybe it's just a simple fear. You just fear of being rejected by people. It's like, I don't want anybody to turn me down. Maybe it's being ashamed to be a Christian. 
Some people, it's like, I'd rather people not really know about my faith in Jesus, so I'd rather just keep quiet and not ever talk about my faith. For others, maybe it's just selfishness or, or, or arrogance. This thought that ah, I'm a little bit better than these people. They're way too far gone. I don't want to spend my time to, to, to reach these people. Maybe that could be a barrier for you. Maybe it's like, man, you know what? I'd rather fit in. You'd rather just fit in than, than share your faith. It's like, and this, what this comes out to be is a person who looks more like the world than they actually do Jesus. And then it's like the moment you want to talk about Jesus, that person that you might be around might say to you, well, why would I want to follow Jesus? You look just like me. You're no different from me. So maybe that could be a barrier. Maybe another barrier is laziness or apathy. You just, just don't care. Maybe you just really just don't want to. Um, I know that I sometimes fall in, into that one. I get, I get a little bit lazy and, and don't want to take the time to, to share the gospel w- with others. Maybe the next one is um, we would rather do what's easy. We don't like to be, to be uncomfortable. Um, sometimes it's very easy for us to, to sit in our holy huddles and, and be around people who are very similar to us, who have the same exact beliefs than us. It's hard to want to go out and be around people who, who are different. But so Paul says, listen, I'm a servant to all, to all people, not just some. Maybe you just make simple excuses. Like, oh, I don't have anything in common with this person. Like, oh, I really don't think that this person will be interested in talking to me. They might see me as weird. So I'm not, I don't want to ever bring up this part of my life. Maybe just those simple excuses. And then the last one is maybe you just have a narrow view of salvation. Where there's this picture of it's just me and my Jesus, just me and my, my salvation, just me and my sanctification. Um, and some of us, uh, including myself, been an American Christian where we live in an individualistic society, sometimes we can tend to end up this way, where we are sometimes unaware of this deep need for us to actually be around others and share our faith. And what it does is it leads us to kind of isolate at times, to kind of be off on our own. And then what kind of creeps in is like, man, I know I'm making it to heaven. And it's like, if I'm making it to heaven, then why should I care about someone else making it to heaven? Because I'm good. Why, why should I bother? But what we have to know is, listen, that our, the point of our faith is to invite others into this and to share Jesus with them. This makes it important to share our faith and build relationships with people and become all things to people. Sometimes we forget the reason why we are Christians today. The reason we are Christians today is because Jesus, he literally decided to save some people who were normal people who went out to share their faith with other people. And that's how the church became what it is today. People who were saved by the Spirit of God just going out and sharing their faith. And when I think about just, just all of these barriers, there, there seems like there's just so much for us to overcome. It's like, man, there has to be some type of hope for us to gravitate towards to kind of help us overcome this because it's very hard to want to go out and become all things to all people. And I think what Paul does next in verse 23, helps us understand the hope that we have to go out and share our faith, but then the, also the massive why of why we should share our faith. And in verse 23, he says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. So his reasoning for doing all of these things, to laying his life down, maybe being a little weird to people, Stepping out in faith is for the gospel, and ours should be too. 
Paul isn't doing this whole thing for popularity or fame. He's not doing it to just simply be liked. He's not doing it for his own glory or just some own personal satisfaction or gain. He's doing this for the gospel, which is the glory of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what it's for. And so Paul is saying, listen, I truly believe that the gospel is worth me sacrificing my life, laying down some freedoms so that others can know Jesus. He truly believes that he was sent by God, just as Jesus told the disciples, I'm sending you in the world to bring the gospel. He believes this. And so he's looking back at the goodness of the gospel where we get to see Jesus himself who put on flesh to become just like us. He was being tempted just like us. He came as this vulnerable baby crying and pooping just like us. And we see that we have this Jesus who empathizes with the weak. He feels sad for those who are marginalized, like the prostitutes and the lepers. He, he gets this, this righteous anger for, for those who have been mistreated. Jesus is just like us in so many ways. And so think about this, that God of all creation, he decided to show his deep and great love for every last one of us by not just walking on this planet and putting on flesh, but he came to literally die for our sin and to step into our place, even though we did, he did not deserve it. He came in, breaking down the barrier of this relationship that we have between us and God because of our sin that literally separates us, and he does it to literally set us free from the, boundary, uh, the, the, the bondage of slavery and sin and death so we can walk in new life. And so think of it this way, that the God of the universe who created all things came as this humble servant, riding in on a donkey, his feet getting dirty, when he has a throne that is something that we can't even imagine. And he comes, making himself a slave to all people, becoming the righteousness of God is what he wants for us. He wants us to be free from God's wrath. And so this message of good news for all of us wretched people in this room, just like Paul is saying, is what makes it worth it to become all things to all men so that they can experience the goodness of Jesus. The gospel make it worth, makes it worth it to become all things to all people. But the question for us has to be, do we truly believe the gospel do we believe the gospel of Jesus is worth us doing whatever we can to reach others? Do we truly believe that? Because if we believe in the reality of hell, the eternal separation that we experience because of our sin from our heavenly father, we would look at other people and say, you know what? I'm willing to do whatever it is to lay my life down to serve you, to get to know you, so that you could come to know Jesus, the savior of humanity. If we believe it, then we will submit even our hesitations and all of our barriers so that we can share Jesus with others, knowing that his spirit is what strengthens us to even give us an opportunity to go and do so. And as we do this, guess what we get to do? That we would share in the blessing. There's this great blessing to be a part of God's kingdom. There's so much good that comes from following Jesus. And Paul says, this is what it's all about. And I want others to share in this blessing as well. And we should ought to long for people in the world who don't know Christ to experience the goodness of who he is, his grace and mercy and love that everyone is seeking after.
And for all of us, this isn't just an optional thing. This is something that ought to be in the life of every believer. And we don't share Jesus as a way to just earn salvation or favor from God, but as a way to worship and glorify God. This is what it's like for us. Jesus has saved us, and he has sent all of us. And this is what the Great Commission is all about. That the light of the world that Jesus is called, who he called us to be, we go out into the world not putting a, a basket over a lamp so people can see the light of Christ in our lives. And as his people, we are called to be just like what Israel was, a group of people who are different so that people can know that there is a God in heaven who is real. And this happens as we become all things to all people. It does. So what I want to do real quick is just give a few just practical things to help us to just ponder on as you get ready to leave. One, take some time and ask yourself, who can you build relationships with? Just evaluate your life and see the people who are around you that might be from different cultures or people that you do not know. Just ask yourself, who can I build relationships with? And just try to meet those people. Like, who could you invite over for dinner? Who can you just simply share the gospel with that you've been friends with for, for quite some time? The second thing, is there someone in your life who you could just read the Bible with? There might be someone who's really interested in knowing more about God. Just re- sit down and read the Bible with them if you get an opportunity. The next one is this, and this one, this one uh, kind of sticks with me a little bit. What opinions and things do you enjoy that you may need to, to lay down in order to not be a stumbling block for the gospel? Now, I know that some of us got some crazy opinions about certain things going on in the world that we might need to lay down so we're not a stumbling block for the gospel. Okay, so what things can we lay down? And the last one is just gather with other believers and have someone hold you accountable to this. Someone, someone that you can go out with and, and, and live with that can encourage you in your faith, that can encourage you to share your faith. And maybe this is a person that you can go out and share your faith together with someone. Maybe think about those people.